Today is the, uh, the final Sunday for our stewardship campaign. And as you come forward today to receive communion, there's a basket here for you to place your commitment card in. And I want to thank all of you who've already done so. We've been talking about stewardship, not just in terms of financial resources, but rather stewardship as a way of life. Of course, that has partly to do with generosity. Being generous is not an accident. Being generous is something you do on purpose. Smart parents know that teaching their children how to share leads to happier children. A Sunday school teacher was giving a lesson to her class on missionaries. Her class was a group of eager eight-year-olds, and she explained how these missionaries give up everything they have, they lead a very frugal life, and they go to faraway places, and all they do is tell people about Jesus, and they help people out. At the end of the lesson, she asked her class if they'd be willing to give money to help these missionaries. How many of you, she said, would, would support these brave missionaries by giving them a million dollars? And every hand shot up. How many of you would give them a thousand dollars? And every hand shot up. How many of you would give them one dollar? Every hand shot up except for little Johnny. And his teacher said, Johnny, you raised your hand when I asked if you'd give a million dollars and a thousand dollars. Why didn't you raise it this time? And Johnny said, well, because I actually have a dollar. <laughs> Today we honor our saints, the ones who have died during this past year. And we also remember today those who have gone before us and who have occupied these pews for some 70 years. I've pondered the question, what is it that makes a saint? What qualities or characteristics are obviously present in those we admire so much? I suppose there could be several possible good answers to that question. Before today, I'd like to suggest the one we learned from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul wrote this letter from prison. It's important you know that. He would never be free again, and it would not be very long before he would be executed. It's important for you to know that in order to feel the full weight of this passage. He tells them, I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. I know the experience of being in need and of having more than enough. I've learned the secret to being content in every and any circumstance, whether full or hungry, or whether having plenty or being poor. I can endure all things through the power of the one who gives me strength. There it is, the secret of sainthood, giving yourself over to the one who can give strength through good times and bad. Contentment is the way of life of a good steward because saints don't locate their worth or their value in things. What brings them contentment is something that comes from deep inside. And the truth is, Every one of us sitting in this room knows this to be true. We all know it's true. But that doesn't prevent an epidemic of discontentment among us. What is it about us that causes us to believe that if we only had that house or that car or that thing, then we would be content? It's the restless heart syndrome. And it's not easy to tame. I have friends who take a three-week vacation every year to Italy. 
He told me once that they drop about $25,000 every time they go. Now, I confess that I envy that, and there have been times that I have said to God quietly, Lord, I know you didn't bless me with that kind of income, but I'd be willing to give it a try if you want to change your mind. <laughs> but that's the big lie. The starting place for us is to recognize the true human condition, and that is we have this belief that my life really does consist in the abundance of my possessions. We are bombarded every day with that message from those who want us to buy their stuff. I call that living in the Amazon culture. I mentioned that this week in the staff meeting and they all thought I was talking about South America. No, I mean the notion that I can sit on my couch, click a button and have anything I want delivered to my front porch within 24 hours. Did you know that there are more than 15 million people in this country who are now part of a new mental health class called shopaholics. And they are treated just like other mental illnesses are. The big lie is that we can purchase our way to happiness and contentment. And it just isn't true. Our discontentment bubbles up from a place deep inside of us too. There's never enough. So today I'm asking what tent do you want to live in? Contentment or discontentment? Do you recall in the Old Testament when King David died, he was replaced by his son Solomon. In terms of wealth, Solomon was the Bill Gates of his day. He had the means to satisfy any and every desire. Not only was he the Bill Gates of his day, but he was also the Hugh Hefner of his day because he had 700 wives, 300 others of what we would probably call today sex slaves, that was nothing that he didn't have that he couldn't buy. But guess what? You already know, don't you? It didn't satisfy him. Hear his own words from the book of Ecclesiastes. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept from my heart no pleasure. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had spent doing it, it was all vanity, chasing after the wind. Do you hear him? I thought it would make me happy, but it never did. I thought it would be fulfilling, but it only left me empty. I thought I'd be satisfied, but I was always left wanting more. Contentment is a choice something that we have to cultivate within ourselves. Discontentment is a condition. It's a disease and it's addictive. It's like a spiritual opioid. Paul gives ample warning about this in the chapter just before the one we read from. In the third chapter, he describes people who are discontent and this is what he says of them, their God is in their belly which was his way of saying all they did every day was follow their appetites. Whatever their appetites were, they looked to fulfill them. The saint is the one who knows this truth. Learn to want what you have and soon you'll have what you want. One last thing about stewardship today is a way of life. I want you to imagine going to your doctor because your health has not been good lately. You've been sick a lot. You've been tired, and you're not sure why. So you go to your doctor, and you say, Doctor, can you help me? 
what would your doctor say? I'm guessing she'd look at you and she'd say, listen, you're going to have to tell me everything. I can't just give you a physical and figure out what's going on with you. I need to know how you're sleeping and why you aren't sleeping well. I need to know what you're eating and drinking. I need to know how much stress you're under at work and home. Now imagine you looking at your doctor and saying, whoa, whoa, you're my doctor. You handle the physical stuff. I don't want to talk to you about my personal life because that's none of your business. You and I both know what she would say. Well, Jim, I hate to break it to you, but all this stuff is related. You can't break your life down into such neat compartments. You might be getting tired and sick because of these other factors. Of course, that's what she would say. In the same way, God says to Jim, you come to me asking for meaning and contentment and happiness. You're lacking in all of these things. I can help you, but we've got to talk about some other stuff too, and among them is your money. You've already tried buying meaning, contentment, and happiness, and it didn't work because it can't work. Then God says something like this. You've tried it your way and failed. Try it my way. Try placing your money in my hands, in the only hands that can give genuine strength. Just try it once. You can always go back to what you were doing before. And so I'll ask you again, which tent do you wish to live in today? Contentment is a choice. Discontentment is a disease. All of this is in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.